Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Katie Chinakis. Katie, how you doing? Fabulous, Timmy. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course, we're excited to have you. And Katie is a Renaissance artist, actress, voiceover actor, and music producer. And I think we're really going to get into her NFT art today on the show. So we'd like to jump right in, Katie. If you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Sure, sure. Uh, I come from a big Greek family. And um, so I was able to be given the gift of culture and language and poetry through, you know, Socrates and Plato and uh, literature and uh, the Greek mythology. Um, I love traveling the world. I've been around the world and I'm excited to explore more. Uh, What I love to do for fun, I love uh, uh, anything with colors. So I love connecting with people. I love um, being um, in silence, actually. I love going to quiet, quiet places and just listening to the intelligence of the universe. Uh, and the number one thing I love the most is being in the spa. I'm, I'm definitely a, a spa baby. So I love to nurture and feel that pamper <laughs> seven days a week <laughs> in my there we, mind. <laughs> there we go. So a lot of spa, a lot of like silence, art, traveling, and exploration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Well, tell us about being an NFT Renaissance artist and what that all entails. Sure, sure. When I was a child, everyone called me an old soul. And um, growing up in Detroit, Michigan, out in the suburbs, everyone was like, oh, you're a, you're a Renaissance person. You're a Renaissance woman. And I was like, what? What does that mean? And people were just like telling me that. But I was interested in uh, comedy and drama and making other people feel good and um traveling and adventure and poetry and art and music and acting and cartoons. And I was just interested in everything and in a world of focus on one thing and one thing only and, you know, go to, you know, the the systems of, um, you know, going to school, get an education, get a full scholarship or, you know, get in debt and then graduate and then pay off your debt for X amount of years and become a doctor or a lawyer. I was just like, going against the grain of all those things. I was marching to the beat of my own drum. And I'm like, I want to really fulfill my cup and see why I'm here, why I've been given this gift, right? Of being here because as the human that I am, it might be in my cards to produce children one day. And then I was sensorily observing what was going on in the world of blame and shaming and other parents trying to pressure their kids into doing things they didn't want to do because they were unfulfilled and projecting in their own lives. So I really wanted to make sure my cup was 1000% fulfilled before gifting life to another. I wanted to receive the gift fully. So I traveled around the world and I decided to explore all these things and not just focus on one thing, to explore all these things and not um, um, set myself back or hold 
any resistance within myself because I didn't want to have any regrets. You know, when I was older, I wanted to say I tried and I went for it. And so everything I touch has turned to gold and everything I've been a part of has been a success because success is measured. And so I feel, you know, with my poetry and my music and acting and TV, film, voiceovers, everything I've done, podcasting, my own podcast, um, everything's been a success uh, thus far. And so exploring all those things um, and then having this oak tree from within, right, out, and then having these branches. And now in revolutionary times that we're living in and stepping into Web3, I got involved in, um, you know, the crypto space in 2018. I was just thrown into it as a DJ. I was DJing all these um, parties downtown, these art events. I was in an art show, the first event I uh, DJed, they're like, oh, you're an artist too. And they had nine artists. One of my good friends, Orbs One, um, you know, he was an artist in the show. Um, and they had seven of my pieces up and, you know, to sell them on the blockchain. And it was this company called 1111 Fund, which is my birthday. And they were raising funds. And so I was DJing these house parties and they were flying me to New York. And I was hosting all these like amazing events. And all these people were coming to raise money for the blockchain. And so it was so new to me, but that's how I got kind of started in the space. And then um, I traveled more. And then during the pandemic, when Blau revolutionized the music industry, when an album from three and a half years ago went um, on the blockchain on an auction, it went for like 11.6 million, I think. It was like, whoa, it just like, then I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. And then I got involved in, you know, um, you know, into spaces and with people and uh, the community is amazing. And now I'm, a, um, I'm onboarding people. I'm a team player in the community where I'm educating people how to get into the space ethically um, with the right um, mindset. Cause it's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot, but it's very exciting because of my background and who I am. And maybe we'll get into those things, but I kind of want to pause there in case you might have questions percolating. <laughs> yeah, no, my questions were going to be surrounded around um, kind of blockchain, getting your art up on the blockchain and what that entails. But let's jump into the background and connect those pieces real quick before we go there. Okay, so um, the psychology aspect is mind, body, spirit, right? And I coach people in the industry and I coach people on obtaining their goals. So as a cross country runner, I grew up with short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals. And what you do as an individual on the cross-country team affects the whole, right? So it's a team sport. You get your individual score, but then you get your team score. So when I show up in the in life on a personal level, um, more so on also a professional level um, of walking onto a set, no matter if it's 400 people or 30 people, how you show up to set, how you show up to a meeting and you're leaving your, your garbage or your, your, your bags at the door because everyone's growing and going through stuff. And I think because of what's happening in the world right now, we all have more compassion and empathy that, hey, we're all affected and we're all growing through stuff. So I think there's more um, patience and um, vulnerability, you know, from those things instead of bulldozing over people, right? And allowing more space for um, the body intelligence and, um, you know, behavioral science to come into play with, um, like I said, vulnerability. And so um, I coach people in the industry and everyone's on a different journey. And then, um, yeah, so I think with, you know, my cross country background, it really 
gives me my fortitude for my life, uh, for traveling, for connecting with people, my network, my communities around the globe. And um, especially in the space of NFTs and crypto, because, um, you know, I was just at Art Basel a few weeks ago and there were more um, female identifying people there than there was just at, um, you know, another event that was at, that was in Miami just a, um, a couple of months prior. So, you know, um, being a community builder and being educational for people to onboard them to get them involved, to, um, you know, get involved, to take their own power back. You know, for example, um, let's say you're a poet or uh, a writer, an author, and, um, or, and this applies to someone who's a painter or a photographer. And then after you're creating the work, then instead of just taking it and putting it on the blockchain, which we can do now, take our power back and put it up and then just put a percentage, which is like a standard is like a 10%, right? This is not financial advice. Everyone can do what they want to do. Um, it's a very new space, you know, um, for everyone, even, you know, the tech people and everyone building the platforms and the programs. But, um, you know, basically um, what I can do as an artist and what you can do as a podcaster and have like your audio NFT podcast to be on right so instead of yeah exactly right is that so cool <laughs> so my podcast she's all over the place podcast is an nft podcast yeah and so i can i can onboard you and support you and show you how you can take those steps right um and it's it's cool to be like one of their very first ones to do it and i wanted to do it um you know a year ago and and i'm happy to be taking steps on that journey now but so as an artist or as a human, you don't even have to be an artist, but you just have something and you put it on the blockchain. I can just put it on the blockchain and so can you. And the cool thing for you, there's no gas fees. They're called gas fees. So when you put it up, there's no fees for you. The collector who's ever purchasing whatever you're putting up pays the gas fees. So it's amazing. So it's free to you. You just put whatever you want up. Like if you have a collectible that's super rare from like a sports collectible or an anime or like a um a cartoon anything that's a collectible and you have like a you take a photo of it and you put it on the blockchain because like it let's say it's worth like five thousand or one thousand or thirty thousand like dollars you can take a photo of it and put it on the blockchain and then have someone else own that and not only do they own the the jpeg and uh, the blockchain all right technology of it you can you can do anything you want you can also say i want to give you a physical copy as well or you could just keep the physical and they only own the JPEG of it, right? So in someone's mind, they're like, oh, why would I want to do that, right? So that's deprogramming the way society has been programmed and brainwashed to obtain things in a three-dimensional way, right? So that's another story. But to stay focused here, because I'm going somewhere with this, is what I just showed you is like, you could put, let's say you have an NFL dope basketball that was signed by Michael Jordan. You can take a photo of it, put it on the blockchain and someone who's a Michael Jordan fan, or if you have Michael Jackson's autograph, someone's going to buy it. Right. And you have the physical and they have the JPEG. Cool. And then you have the option to give them the physical as well, or you don't have to. So that's one, but you can do that. And then let's say like someone buys it. You don't pay a gas fee. That's free for you. You get to put it up for free. The collector, whoever's the collector pays for it. And let's say they sell it 
they flip it and they sell it for 11,000 more, 25,000 more or whatever. They sell it for whatever more. They can flip it. And every time they flip it, every time it resells generations to come 10 years from now, 20, 30 years, every time you get, um, you know that, like, let's say if you put like 15% as the fee or 10%, when it goes to first market, secondary market, you get that residual income, that percentage again. That's great for you. It's not just a one-off, right? So let me pivot and shift. Let's just take a deep breath there before we pivot and shift. So when we pivot and shift, now let's say if you're an actor, if you're an actor in the union, every time something plays, I get residual income from a TV show, from a, um, uh, an animation TV show, movie. If I'm an on-screen actor or voiceover talent, if I'm in the union, which I am, I get a residual income. If you're non-union, Coca-Cola can pay you 20,000, someone could pay you 50,000 or 2,000 and they can run it for eternity and you never get a residual income. It's just a one-off deal, right? So you get that concept, right? So let's pivot to the other thing of the world we have been living in in which it's been shifted because of the blockchain. So if someone were to go now to an art gallery and I, let's say I created a piece of art, a painting, right? Or I wrote a book. Then after I have this magnificent piece in this crazy world with technology and social media and who's who and scams and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my goodness. I have to search and research and find who I align to, who's not gonna screw me over outside of myself into the world and it's so overloading, right? And it's outside of myself instead of just putting it on the blockchain to hope someone likes my piece of art or my something that I wrote. I have to hope someone finds it. Then I have to count on my self-worth to see if my artwork is good enough for someone to represent me. And then we have to negotiate deals. And then when I get someone to represent me and then it finally goes into a gallery, which could take six months to a year or three years, then when the broke when the deal happens and I sell it, the broker gets a percentage, the gallery gets a percentage, the art collector has it. And then when they resell it, it's a one-off deal, like a non-union thing. And I don't get anything from it, right? Like we get to take power back as not only as artists, but we get to take power back as humans. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. And I've, I follow Gary Vee. I've heard him talk a lot about NFTs, but did not understand it to the extent that you just explained it. So thank you. And I hope we have follow-up conversations about this. Yeah. And sure. this is just this, this is just like a, a slice of it. And Gary V has V friends, V E friends. Mm. If you're following him, he has V friends. Um, they have an event coming up in May. You should see the lineup of the people going, speakers, the people who are involved. It's pretty epic so i hope i get to attend um he also has vayner nft now and then jessica she's a female and she is the president of vayner nft so i met with her and i was with her in art basel and i'm having her on the podcast for season four she's all over the place so i'm really excited to have her on that's awesome there we go well yeah. let's jump into your dreams and goals now what's your vision for your nft renaissance art and building the communities around NFTs and onboarding people. 
Yeah. So I, I've had a couple strategy calls with um, a team of people and I actually teamed up with Hey Lair and it's L-A-Y-E-R. It's H-E-Y. So Hey Lair. And it's I'm all about, um, you know, divine femininity in all genders and breaking down societal norms and the masculine feminine um, and, you know, and um, being equal in one with all as like soulful beings, right? And so um, I'm doing a women empowerment series to because I identify, you know, as she, her, they, them, and I was born, you know, quote unquote, female, um, quote unquote, in a man's world, when I wanted to be a business woman, um, I did everything internally with, um, you know, research and my craft and, and things like that. But for raising capital, I didn't look to quote unquote women or um, I look to, or the yang, I look to the businessman and I, 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 I was looking for angel investors externally. Right. And so um, that was really um, disempowering myself. And so I grew through that journey and it, um, you know, it took a while, like it took a long while um, before I got like knocked down, like so many times. And then, you know, um, did the shift to invest financially in myself. And when I did that, that's when I became an oak tree within and the branches took lives of their own and everything creatively. And I started working with the team because I had this deep, deep, um, rooted trust within myself and within my team that I was really feared with. So, now in the space of, um, you know, renaissance of NFTs and crypto, um, I've teamed up with Haylair and it's all about women empowerment and onboarding uh, specifically women. I'm onboarding everybody, but my podcast, my album that just came out, Dreamland 1111, it's streaming everywhere. Dreamland 1111, you can put in the show notes if people want to hear it. Um, it's all about claiming and reclaiming one's power. So I'm I already knew my power and I've held on to my power and then dismantled and not knowing, you know, went on a journey. And then now I'm reclaiming my power. And that was what Dreamland 1111 was about. And that's what, um, and shifting into my divine femininity and, um, and shifting into my, um, you know, self as a young adult. And so the album Dreamland 1111 the podcast, she's all over the place, has 68 episodes right now, so get caught up. Um, and then shifting um, on January 11th, um, when the Women Empowerment Series um, blasts off, all of them aligned to women empowerment, divine femininity, and all genders, and onboarding people in the crypto space. So we can all be a part of this new world, because let's face it, um, you know, our three-dimensional world that has been happening um, has been deteriorating um, every single moment of every single day because those old structures aren't serving us. We've uh, aligned and we've evolved as a society and as a community and as a collective. So I am a, a four uh, thought leader in the space and um, not only for my elders and my peers, but for younger generations to come. And so I have a collective of friends and community and people who are all doing the same work that I'm doing. And we're empowering people like yourself and the person tuning in and watching to be a part as well. And it's cool because we're helping each other. It's not like the old world of like figure it out on your own. We're going to show you how to do it with grace. We don't want you to struggle. We want to show you the way to do it. And so my 
this is like I said, no, no financial advice, but any advice that I would give is um, people who are authentic and people who speak in the language that I'm speaking right now are the, are the people you want to listen to because there are a lot of people that are fishing, that are scamming, that are saying things and, you know, a lot of things who are just scamming people and taking advantage of people and also wanting just to like, are just in it for the business and the money. Um, and those are the short-term people we want to stay away from. So if they seem like vultures, they are. <laughs> and just, you know, listen to Gary V. He's amazing. He's cool. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll just share so many people. I mean, you can just look at all the people who are, who are friends with me on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram. Those are the people in the space who are doing great, great work. You know, Gabe Weiss, JR, um, you know, um, um, poetic, uh, sketch poetic, Sheila, she's amazing. Uh, there are so many people in the space who are doing such, such great work. Uh, I love the heart project, um, Oni force it's zero and one force. It's the seventh largest project on the blockchain. Uh, my friend, uh, Gregory Sif, he just did a collaboration with dead mouse. Um, yeah, so many people are doing some really cool projects. So just kind of befriend and watch the community of who they're involved with and what they're doing, the actions they're saying and the things they're sharing. I'd walk along those footsteps. Absolutely. I love it. Well, if there are one or two people that you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd help you really take the next step towards really onboarding as many people as possible and getting the women empowerment and divine femininity for all genders out there who would they be and how would they help you out uh me or other people one or two people who can help you out oh the team i'm working with hey Lair. um and uh all the women can jump onto hey Lair. they're making it very easy for women and for um the collectors as well so they're not having to get a wallet get a hard wallet, get a soft wallet and do all the confusing things people don't know about. They're making it so people can just swipe a credit card and be able to buy an NFT and become collectors in the space. So Hey Lair is really good. Um, Stacks is a very good program. They're very ethical. I love the program Stacks, um, the platform they're built on. So I would definitely um, check out Stacks, S-T-A-C-K-S. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I think like, um, you know, Vayner NFT, Jessica, who's the president, um, she stacks, hey, Lair, those are, you know, those are my people who I'm, I'm going into 2022 with. So definitely, um, we have great projects lined up. So um, I definitely invite people to watch um, what's going to be unfolding with us. And then I can support onboarding as many people as possible. That's our collective goal. I love it. Well, there we go. I want to jump back a little bit to when you talked about going on the self-discovery journey that you went on to make sure that you fully experienced the gift that is life. Mm. And as you became more authentic, everything you start to touch became gold. Tell us a little bit more about that journey and some of the hurdles slash adversity you went through and how you dealt with it. Oh, there's so many, but yes, yes. I'll start with saying um, when I was a child and wanting to, I felt like I was a bird in a cage and I wanted to bust out, right? I felt like I was a bird in a cage and I wanted to bust out. So I uh, actually became celibate um, for seven years. I had no sex. 
And I wanted my relationship to be with myself. I wanted my relationship to be with the universe. And I wanted my relationship to be with God. And I wanted to connect with people with um, authenticity. And I wanted to connect with people on a level that was baseline human and not from mischievous, false places of power. Because I got to know my power at a very young age because of how boys and how men were to me when I was a kid before I was 18. And I saw how my sexuality was a grand power and how boys and men, quote unquote, would just open doors and literally just bring their wallets out and try to pay for everything and just buy you anything you wanted because I was female and I was pretty. So, um, and I saw and knew and heard about, you know, you know, going past maybe high school uh, of how people were hooking up and they were giving a piece of themselves in exchange for something, a materialistic good. And I didn't want anything to do with that because I knew myself within myself and I knew how glamorous and beautiful I was. And a part of that, I think, is probably because of my mother, because you know, she taught us about hygiene and she taught us about like lotions and how to take care of ourselves. So I felt very confident with, you know, myself of how I appeared in the world, right? Like she would always tell us how beautiful we were. So I think that really stimulated my, um, my confidence in, in a way where I would go to school and um, I would befriend everyone and I was a natural butterfly and that's my Greek roots of coming from unconditional love and that I naturally had in my spirit and my heart and I saw how girls were very catty with one another and then I saw after graduating school that um, that power struggle of yin for yang and tit for tat and so I didn't want to feel like I owed anyone anything and I didn't want to feel like I was doing anything because of a, a hookup you know, um, so I was celibate. <laughs> and if someone wanted to get to know me, they would get to know me because of my personality. And like, they weren't getting to getting to know me or thinking they had one up on me, because they were getting like, um, into my pants. And maybe that was very naive. And maybe that was very, um, yeah, maybe it was very naive, in a, in a way, or maybe that was just one perception that I had, but it's just what it is, right? There's no right or wrong. It's just something that was natural in my environment, um, encapsulated with other circumstances probably around me of what I experienced and saw. And so that was my own choice. So I wanted to, I also saw the way girls were crying all the time and how upset people were make, breaking up and getting together and crying. And I remember having a boyfriend and like, you know, um, some, some boyfriends wanted their girlfriends to like wear their skirt to their knee and not have like short skirts on, you know what I mean? Cause they didn't want like other men looking at their girlfriends, which I under, I understand, right. doesn't mean it's right, but I, I get it, but I didn't want anyone having any, any control over me. And, you know, I was like a rebel with a cause. So I didn't want any, any rules or pressures or anyone telling me no I was already domesticated by society and my parents I didn't want to be domesticated by other people right I wanted to be free out of the cage so 
I made a choice to be celibate and I made a choice to connect with other humans in the world and meet them where I was, right? And see who they were and observe who they were without that other stuff getting in the way. Because honestly, I'm going on and on about this because emotions get involved. Emotions get involved. And I didn't want, I wanted to be personable without getting too emotional. And so I was able to do that and, and keep myself together <laughs> um, and go on this journey with myself and my devoted commitment to God and the universe. And so while I traveled the world, I met the grandest people in the world. And like they could be on private jets, staying in castles. I mean, I was on a one time I was on a private jet every single week for a year and a half. I lived on 60 acres in a $45 million mansion with three living, three living maids, a butler and um, a house manager. <laughs> um, and then I also went around Italy talking to um, um, boho types, um, people on the streets with no money, you know, um, staying or people staying in hostels, you know, um, I was talking to everyone, like up, down and in between. And there was just no judgment. And I was just opening, curious and exploring. And I did that as a teenager through my 20s. And I felt like that was probably some of the best education I had in my life. And it really set me up to be an actor. It really set me up, um, you know, as observing people in the world and being able to experience those richnesses in life, which gave me a palette and language for poetry. And so I wrote a lover's fairy tale poetry book, which I released on World Poetry Day. And I made spoken word music videos that I directed and produced and I employed other artists and gave them opportunities to show off their skill sets as artists and footage for them to have to build their confidence and their worth to show things that they could do in the industry. And I was able to produce those things. And then I was able to take 10 years of that and rebrand and repackage that when I don't know, when I didn't know anything about branding. And but be able to do that from an internal place that was just creating it. And then I decided to take that 10 years of producing those. And then I selected 11 pieces out of thousands of pieces I've written over the years and do my first poetry book, you know, and then now that I've won, now I'm ready to do my next one. And then the next one, and then the next one, and just, and keep going. Well, it starts with one, right? So those are some rich experiences that I had and I can put them in the poetry book. A lover's fairy tale is about um, unconditional love of the universe and people and culture and food and some of the things I shared. And it can be for a 12 year old and it can be for, um, you know, adults and to shape shift us, to get us outside of our own muck and with, out going to those places because some people aren't as adventurous but with literature we can go anywhere in the world and some people are in their homes and because they read they can travel far right so it's my gift to everyone to have these pieces and then they're very in a way 
all fantasy, right? A lover's fairy tale, very fantasy, very playful. And then in my later works, maybe things will be more detrimental and more sorrow and uh, the more depths of the other side that you mentioned of talking about some of the struggles, right? So I can take all those and put them into the language of the poetry. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I guess I'm curious, at any point in your exploration, were you like scared? Inside it's saying all the time. <laughs> um, but now I think I'm more aware of it. When I was younger, because um, I remember DJ Who Kid, we were in like Madrid one time. I was opening up for 50 Cent in G Unit, Yale and Banks. And um, no, I was in South Africa. We were in South Africa and it's on tape. My assistant was like recording it after I went on stage. And he's like, yo, how do you do that, man? How do you do that? How do you go in front of 18,000 people and just do that? And I'm just like, I don't know. I just, I just do it. I don't think about it. So my motto in life is just do it. It's a, a Greek word, you know, victorious people to win, victorious people, Nikki, right? Mm, gotcha. So my motto in life has been just do it. So it's, um, it's that intuitive hit where you just go and do it, right? And so I just don't think about it. Um, and so that's what, how I led in my life and through the journey, obviously our thoughts and knowing quote unquote, experiencing more. So having other thoughts that can come into play, I'll have to remind myself to just do it. I'll have to remind myself more now to just do it. Like I used to, because when I was a kid and when I was in my teens and when I was in my twenties, I would just do it. So now I'll have to remind myself to just do it like I would when I was in my 20s or when I was in my teens. Like I'll have to remind myself that, right? Because yeah. all these other things can come up and get in the way. And those things that come up and get in the way are the things we need to like tame the wild beast and say, hey, you don't pay rent here. This, this, this illusion, this, this illusion that's happening right now is crazy, is outside of myself. It's gonna build anxiety. It's gonna be in the future. That's an illusion. That's fear that probably won't happen that way. And it doesn't exist. For example, um, I remember when I got out, I was like my first love, right? Like probably my first relationship, it was eight months. And when, when we broke up, it was a year. Like I was only in the relationship for eight months. It was like, it was like, I got on a jet. It went so fast and it was over, but it took like a year to get over that. And so I told myself I was never going to get into a relationship again because I didn't want to go through what I went through for the, for the breakup, excuse me. And then time passed, time passed. And I've learned a lot along the way. So did I honor myself and not, and not get into another relationship? No, I still allowed myself to, although I was very scared of being vulnerable and opening my heart. I'm in New York City. So if there's that, you hear that natural New York City vibe, we're keeping it raw <laughs> and real over here, okay? <laughs> but the, the, the moral of the story is, Although I was scared, when a, 
when a grand, beautiful love came along the way, I didn't reject it. It, it, it happened, right? And then, but although you're scared because of how it was, I'm not going to respond how I was in 2005 because I'm not that person anymore. So I can make new choices, evolve choices and respond to it in a different way. So if I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have been the way I was in 2005, reckless, uncontrollable, everywhere, like spewing my heart out to everyone over and over again. Like I was just energy is energy, no matter if it's good or bad, it's being spent. It's going to be spent one way or another. It's energy is energy, right? There's no good or bad. It's just energy. Absolutely. What was I doing? What was I doing that energy? Right. However, I wrote poetry. So I did, I did shift it into my art. I did paint. So what I say, no matter if the energy is good or bad or exciting, or it's in a grand love, or you're in a wonderful relationship or wonderful circumstances with your family, or if it's the opposite and it's a horrible relationship and it's horrible circumstances with your family or time in your life, it doesn't matter. The, what matters is how we respond to it and not how we react to it. So for me as an artist, and I don't know who's listening, um, but one can find, they say uh, exercising is, is, an, is an outlet, journaling is an outlet. And for me, putting it into voiceovers, my characters, putting it into my commercials, putting it into video games, putting it into drama, directing a piece, doing a web series, putting it onto a canvas, doing digital art, doodling, uh, doing poetry, making beats on pads, because I, I DJ and I do, I do music on pads. So when I do instrumental music, it's the same thing as poetry because what I'm, what you hear is what I'm feeling. Cause I'm banging on the pads of how my heart is thumping, right? I'm following the journey of my body intelligence. I'm not in my head about it. I'm banging on the keys and on the pads to get out of my head. I'm writing, I'm doing a podcast to talk, to get it out, to move the energy. Energy is energy in motion, energy in motion. So all the people who are stuck for five minutes, for five days, for five years, it's because they're stuck in their muck. But as soon as we get out of ourselves and we're a part of a community and we listen to a podcast like this and we get it out and we tell someone and we have the courage and we break past the fear and we get it out, we remove the energy out of our mouths and it dissipates. It doesn't have so much power in us. Lastly, Something happened to me when I was uh, 13 or 14. And although I was running cross country, I isolated. I didn't tell a counselor. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell someone. That stayed with me for a long, long time. And it was a beast from within. And it was only during 2020 where it came full circle because I was always trying to get it up and get it out. And I always was seeing healers and spiritual people and doing things to get it up and get it out. But it was never enough time to, to sit and allow it to fully penetrate out of me. But during 2020, I was able to have that deep, deep reflection for it to move past me and me actually really get it up and out. And that's when everything turned in a way where I started coaching people. I was doing it before for free and I was doing it before to share and care. But that's when I was able to coin 
kind of who I was and make an impact on others and also coach people as, um, you know, as a, as a business, you know, and honor other people and, and honor my journey and have more self-respect for myself and empower myself and know my self-worth, right? The best healers and the best people who speak up is because they've grown through it and they understand. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Katie, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for listening. Of course. Well, I got one last question for you and it's going to require- That's it? Just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, we're running a bit short on time, but um, the question is, well, the pretext is, you know how there are people on the planet who have a really um, fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help and they're not willing to accept change and they'll live their whole life like that. Sometimes they'll die like that. Other times they'll really make that switch to a growth mindset, willing to accept help, willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that change? Mm -hmm. What you just said, it's mindset and then the shift of mind growth, right? So being coachable, being, being able to be coachable because I too am, am very stubborn and we're very, they say you can't teach a, uh, an old dog new tricks and how we're hardwired, right? So it's a discipline and it has to start with self and we have to want it. And even if we don't want it, we have to be so sick and tired of being sick and tired that we're so sick and tired. And I remember growing up, my, my mom was like, yeah, you know, her dad, my grandpa, so stubborn, so stubborn. She would just say how stubborn he was. And I saw how stubborn she was. And then I admitted how stubborn I am. And I was, and I can, and it took so long for me to realize, I saw it in other people. I could project and see it because we're mere reflections, how grandpa could be, how mom can be, how this person is, and we're pointing fingers, right? But when we actually have the courage and, and after we point the fingers, to take the finger and point it to self, but not blame and not shame and not have guilt of how long we've been stuck and how unaware we've been because blaming's the ego. Blaming you, blaming me isn't gonna get us anywhere. Blaming anyone isn't gonna get us anywhere. It's gonna keep us stuck. But when we want to shape shift and we're so tired of being tired, you know, and then we start doing the work So it means starting messy. It means being confused and not knowing how and doing it anyway. It means showing up for self, even when we don't want to. Taking one step at a time. And even if that step is sleeping for six hours or sleeping in for three hours, the best rest and repair for the body and the number one thing for the immune system to repair itself is through sleep. So if you're depressed, depression is living in the past. Anxiety is being in the future. We only have this moment right here. So the person tuning in, it's not by chance that you're here. It's attuned to your frequency of being here now for a reason, even if we don't understand it. But the concept to shape shift and to hold a little space, to take a deep breath in the nose and to take the deepest breath we've taken all day and exhaling it and doing that for self every day and reminding self every day, and we show up to the map. 
the imagery of a mat. You show up to life. You show up to yourself. Oh, today I did it. Tomorrow, I'm going to mess it up. And then it becomes an interpersonal game and challenge with oneself. Oh, I messed up. Or you get mad. You're like, oh my God, I was doing so good. I messed up. And you're beating yourself down. And so catch myself beating myself down. Catch myself being mean to myself. But what I say is nip it in the butt. So something can happen, but then you let it go. So if something happens with a sibling and then you don't talk to them, it could be like a day. It could be a week. It could go to a year. And then it could go to 10 years. I remember when I first went to California and I was so close to my family and we were like, like talking to each other so much all the time. And I talked to people when I first got there and so many people, they don't go home to the holidays. They don't talk to their families. They haven't talked to them in this long. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh no, I don't want that to happen to me. Oh no, that's not going to happen to me. Oh no. Like these people, they, they've lost their way. That's what that I have to be aware of these things because that could happen to me. Right. Um, and so it's an awareness, right? And everyone has their own circumstances and journeys. So being aware and getting a coach, right? So you can go to my website, chinox.com. It's industry coaching. I do life coaching and industry coaching. And I give artists, because I'm an artist, a very nominal fee, which is amazing. And be coachable. Will Smith, J-Lo, when they're on a movie for three months, Aaron Spicer is on that movie with them. It's their acting coach. Susan Batson, who's my acting coach, She's been Nicole Kidman's acting coach for 18 years plus, Julia Pinoche, Oprah Winfrey, Madonna, Liv Tyler, Usher, Zac Efron, like all the best people get coached. When I do my voiceovers, every single voiceover, I have 27 a week sometimes, I'm on with my coach. And, you know, I book the sessions and we, we do the coaches. They're on the Skype, they're listening, they mute, and they hear me recording. When I'm on screen, I'm on the Zoom with my coach. Um, I have my camera ready. I'm hair and makeup ready. I know my lines. I'm being coached. All the best get coached. Be coachable. Be coachable to be relatable. Be coachable because we're all stuck in our stuff. So to have a different perception and it's not right or wrong. The coach isn't the end all be all. They're like someone outside of your energetic stratosphere who's going to give you and, and shine light on you in a way and see you in your highest form and rise you to the cream of the top. We want to be around people who can lift us up, right? We want to be around people who are kind and compassionate. We want to be around people who aren't going to cut us down. I've cut myself down. We cut ourselves down. However you are to your worst enemy, you're like so much more harder on yourself. And I've been so hard on myself. My mom was very disciplined. My mom had a very, very hard upbringing. And she was very hard on us. Tough love. And very hard. And I am who I am because of that, right? Double-edged sword. And being so, having, you know, I had the unconditional side with the religion and the culture and the food and all that. And the other side of that tough love and that discipline and being able to cut you down like a butcher knife with, with my words, the power of the word. And so knowing that and shape-shifting that and breaking generational trauma to the person tuning in, it's a responsibility and it's a gift, right? Why are we here? So that's that's kind of like brushstrokes and nuggets of people, you know, of, of catalyst, you know, and shape-shifting into the dimension of wanting to start on a spiritual journey or wanting to deepen one spiritual journey. 
There we go. I love it. Well, awesome. Katie, is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Mm, uh, education is power. And um, it's one thing to know everything from the neck up, the throat chakra, the communication chakra, and then in our minds. It's another thing to hack in and apply it. So, you know, my words of wisdom to you is take what we know, start messy, hack it and apply that knowledge instead of just keeping it in here. There we go. Awesome. Well, if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Katie had to say, all the ways to contact her will be in the show notes. If you're interested in crypto and the blockchain, definitely contact her because she is actively onboarding people. Also support her art, her podcast, share that with everybody, share the message of the authenticity that is Katie, because we are all on a journey to be as authentic as we can and show up as authentic as we can every day. Um, so Katie, I really love that you are so authentic. Thank you for that. <laughs> Timmy, thank you. I appreciate you and I honor you and your journey. So anytime you're in LA or New York, you look me up and uh, I'm going to come see you in Austin. Sounds good. As we always ask, guys, send this podcast to one to three people you know need to shoot, hear this message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.